Proverbs chapter 14, if you would. Proverbs chapter 14. You know, one of the things I appreciate about this church, ever since I came here 30 years ago, we always sing, just about always, there's some exceptions, but we always sing all of the verses in a song. And you know why I think that's important? Because like in that one that we just sang, there is a progression in the verses. And you, you knock out a verse, or you knock out two verses, and you've knocked out the progression. And uh, you, really, you really miss some of the message. So I appreciate singing all the verses. I mean, years ago, it was shortly after I got here, I had a, got a call from a guy. And um, I don't know who he is. I don't know who he is to this day. But he said, uh, he says, uh, Pastor, so I understand you're the new pastor there in, in, in uh, Freedom Baptist. I says, yes, sir. He says, I got a question for you. He says, you still sing as much as you used to sing all the time. You sing a bunch of songs in the service. I said, yes, yes, sir. I said, we sing at least three or four songs every service. Oh, I said, I don't like to do all this singing. I said, well, then you probably wouldn't like our church. <laughs> it's just that simple. How many of you enjoy singing? Let me see your hands. I do, too. I do too. And I, I don't get me wrong. I appreciate the choir. And I do. I really enjoy hearing the choir sing. And I miss the choir. But I enjoy congregational singing. I think that's really where it's at. I think that's where the focus ought to be. And you folks do a good job at it. All right. By now you should be at Proverbs 14. Let's all stand together. Just one verse. Proverbs chapter 14. And we'll read the verse together out loud in unison. If your neighbor does not have a Bible, please allow them to look on with you, if you would. Proverbs chapter 14, look down with me in verse 30. Let's read it together. A sound heart, okay, one and a two and a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're so thankful this morning for the opportunity to be in church. We're so thankful for the fact that you are our God. We're thankful that you loved us first. And long before we ever loved you, Lord, you loved us. And uh, God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning during this message through your word. Uh, Father, I pray that you get Dave Dunbar out of the way and help people to see you and see the truths that are found in your word. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts, and as you speak to hearts, may the Spirit of God do a work that only you can do, and we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for it, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That verse, uh, really not focusing so much on the second half of the verses, I do the first part. It says, a sound heart is the life of the flesh. You know, uh, that's true with, with not only your physical heart, that's true also with your spiritual heart. And uh, the two kind of parallel at times. Uh, one of the things that uh, I am noticing more, I don't know, there, there may or may not be more of them going on. I think they're more common. But when I notice when I turn 70 years old, all of a sudden when I hear somebody had a heart attack, I pay attention a little bit more than I used to. And uh, 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 it just seems like uh, more and more folks are, are uh, having, having heart attacks and heart trouble. Uh, they can hit suddenly. 
Uh, even though the person looks good on the outside, they could look like they're, they're, they're perfectly healthy, and uh, yet on the inside, something's going wrong with the heart. Uh, I remember that was, the, that was the case. I found out that when uh, uh, Pastor Carpenter passed away, he, he got COVID, but what it did was it affected his heart because he had already had some heart conditions. I did not know that. I had no clue. The guy looked healthy as a horse. And uh, he, uh, he was a sportsman. He was into various, various kind of outdoor activities. Uh, I had no, no clue that he had any kind of heart trouble. But, but evidently he did, and it was, under, it was underlying. Um, it's, it's gotten to the point where, uh, where uh, they, they, it's easy to find all kinds of uh, warnings that uh, people give you that they say, you know, don't, don't ignore these heart symptoms. I found a, a list uh, online, never ignore these 11 heart symptoms. And these are things that, you know, I, I was looking through them, about half of them I've got right now. But it says chest discomfort, nausea, indigestion, heartburn, stomach pain, uh, pain that spreads to the arm. You feel dizzy or, or lightheaded. Uh, throat or jaw pain. Uh, you get exhausted easily. You snore. Uh-oh, a lot of people are in trouble there. Uh, sweating. A, uh, a cough that won't quit. Your, your legs, feet, and ankles are swollen. Irregular heartbeat. Those are all signs that there, there's a possibility. That doesn't mean if you've got one or two or even well, hopefully you don't have all of them, but uh, uh, it doesn't mean that you necessarily have physical heart trouble, but it could lead to that, and you need to be aware of it. Well, there's a similar situation with our spiritual heart. Uh, oftentimes, as Christians, we appear on the outside like everything is okay, when in reality, sometimes on the inside, things are not okay. Our, our outward appearance looks good, but, but uh, our heart is, is hurting and uh, could be in, in spiritual trouble. Um, take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 25. You don't need to stay in Proverbs. Just go ahead and go to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 25. And here's, here's an example of someone who had spiritual heart trouble but on the outside looked really good. This is one of the kings of Judah, and his name was Amaziah. And look in verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadadin of Jerusalem, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. So outwardly, he was doing right. Outwardly, he looked right. But then it says, but not with a perfect heart. So the outward was good, but the inward was, was hurting and failing. Um, the problem is our, our outward doesn't always match our inward. Uh, the Lord uh, looks upon the heart, the Bible says, he doesn't look upon the outward appearance because that's not the real, the, the real situation. The real situation is what's going on inside of our heart. Well, just like there are symptoms for physical heart trouble, there's also symptoms for spiritual 
heart trouble. And what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to look at five different symptoms that we find in the book of Proverbs. This is, this is the... This is the season of the hearts. You know, I, I noticed even on the, on the announcement sheet this morning, there was a heart-shaped cloud uh, on the, on the, uh, on the uh, announcement sheet because of Valentine's Day coming up tomorrow. And I hope you do something special for those that you love tomorrow. But one of the things that, that we need to pay attention to is our own heart and make sure our heart is in the shape or in the situation that it ought to be in. So we're going to look at, at some symptoms to, uh, this morning of, of heart trouble, uh, spiritual heart trouble. And I, I just want to ask one question of you, and I want you to ask this question and ask it of yourself, and ask it of yourself honestly. How is my heart? How is my heart? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs 14. Proverbs chapter 14, and look with me in verse 14. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 14. It says, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. One of the, one of the ways that we know that we have heart trouble is that be, when we become filled with our own ways. In other words, it's all about us. It's all about what we think. We're always right. Nobody else is. And we just get consumed in ourselves. I remember we had an evangelist back years ago that came through, and he was with us for a week. And the, the theme that just kept coming up, and I don't know they even did it on purpose, but the theme that kept coming up over and over and over again was simply this. It's not about you. <laughs> and really, we're living in a day and age where everything is pointing to it's all about you. You know, that's why people are taking selfies and they take pictures of the food that they ate and post it. I don't care what you had for lunch yesterday. I really don't. Uh, but we, we get to thinking that we are so self-important and that we get, and they really, what that is, that's being filled with our own ways. And it's easy to get there. But the Bible says when we're filled with our own ways, we have a backslidden heart. We have a backslidden heart. We, we uh, you know, uh, uh, people that are filled with their own ways, one of the characteristics I've found is that they have a hard time being told what to do. They've always got a better plan. They've always got a better idea. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. It says, In all thy ways acknowledge him. Don't acknowledge your own ways. Uh, the, the, he, your thoughts are not like his thoughts, and your ways are not like his ways. They're different, and you need to realize that. You know, next week, uh, I will be, be looking at uh, 53 years of being saved. 53 years ago, I trusted Christ as Savior uh, back in Rochester, New York. And, you know, in order to get saved, 
I had to come to a point where I said, you know, my ways as far as going to heaven and knowing for sure that my sins are forgiven, my ways are wrong and God's ways are right. And, and uh, that night when I began the conversation with a preacher who asked me if I was, knew for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. And I said, no, I didn't know that for sure. And I didn't. I was a teenager at the time. I had thought a lot about death ever since I was eight years old because my mom passed away. But uh, I, I, uh, I didn't know that for sure. But here's what I thought. I thought, well, you know, if you're going to go to heaven, you've got to be a good person. Uh, when you go to heaven, God will weigh your good, weigh your bad. If the good way outweighs the bad, you'll slide off into heaven. If not, the buzzer will go off, the trap door will open up, and you'll fall into the, in the pit of flame. Uh, that's not the way it works. It has nothing to do with you. You know, I, I think probably the biggest struggle I had until I finally surrendered to it and trusted Christ as Savior was that it had nothing to do with me. It wasn't about me. And in order to get saved, you've got to stop being filled with your own ways. What you have been taught and what you have learned and what you have thought about salvation, if it doesn't match this book, it is absolutely, completely, totally wrong. You'll spend eternity in hell if you cling to it. There has to come a point where you realize that I am a sinner. I am heading for hell. Lord, save me. If you don't save me, if you don't, if you don't cleanse me of all my sin, I am doomed for eternity in hell. Uh, that's, where I, that's, that's where I ended up after a two-hour discussion that night. And I, I realized that I was a sinner. I realized that my ways are wrong. And the beginning of, of, uh, of, a, of the Christian life, of getting saved, is saying, listen, I was wrong. God is right. I'm going to trust him, and him only is my Savior. And there has to be a point in time. I'm convinced of this. You know, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Well, can I point back to a spirit or to a physical birthday? I sure can. I know of an exact time that that I came into this world. Well, at least I was told. <laughs> I, I I didn't exactly write it down when I came out of the womb, you know. But uh, but uh, I, I you know I was I was told when my birthday was and and November twenty eighth. Uh, 1951, I, Dave Dunbar came into this world. Can I tell you something? February 20th, 1969, Dave Dunbar walked into the spiritual world. And I know for a fact, if I die today, I go to heaven. Uh, the older I get, the more important that is. Amen? Uh, the older you get, the more important it is for you too. But what did I have to do first? I had to be divested of my own ways. And even once you get saved, that is a constant struggle of being filled with your own ways. And uh, if you're filled with your own ways, you know who you're thinking about? You're thinking about number one. You're thinking about what's best for you. You're thinking about uh, what, what you believe is right and what you believe you need to do. Uh, 
You know, the Bible says, in all thy ways acknowledge him. Not me, not my ways, but his ways. And notice something in this verse. Back years ago, this thing just kind of jumped off the page at me. The, the last part of the verse says, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. It doesn't say with himself. Now that's the, you know, that's the self-esteem stuff that you hear today. You need to be satisfied with yourself. No, you don't. No, you don't. You gotta be satisfied from yourself. What does that mean? That means be more concerned, number one, about God, and number two, be concerned about others. It's just that simple. Be filled with the ways of God and be filled with the concerns and the care for others. And uh, if, if you do that, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll uh, uh, end up uh, not having a backslidden heart. Um, you know, over in, uh, over in the book of James, it says, it says that we're to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. If I'm not swift to hear, but I'm swift to speak, and if I'm not slow to wrath, but swift to wrath, you know what I found? I found it's because I'm filled with myself. If you've got an, an anger problem today, can I tell you something? You're filled with yourself. You're filled with your own ways. And we need to be satisfied from ourselves. So the, the, the first, the first uh, symptom of, of, uh, of uh, heart trouble is being filled with our own ways, having a backslidden heart. Second one, look with me in Proverbs 12. Back up just a little bit. Proverbs 12. In Proverbs chapter 12, look down at verse 8. A man shall be, shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. Now I realize if you're living for God, you're going to have some people that aren't going to like you because you're standing for right. But can I tell you something? If uh, nobody likes you and everybody hates you, you ought not to go eat some worms. You ought, you ought to just go and realize, that, wait a minute, there's something wrong with me. Something wrong with me. Uh, a perverted heart, the Bible says, is despised by others. What is a perverted heart? It's a, it's a heart that it, it lacks love for others uh, because of twisted values. Uh, a perverted heart is stubborn when it comes to wrong, and it continues in wrong ways. Uh, the, the, world, the world shouldn't care for you. I understand if you're a saved person, uh, you're, you go against the grain of the world. But somebody ought to care for you. And, you know, if you start having a pity party and start, start saying, well, you know, nobody loves me, that ought to be a warning sign. That's not a cause for a pity party. You know what that is? That is a cause for inspection on the inside. There's something not right. There's something not right. Now, you know, again, over the years, you're going to have people that are not going to like you. You might even, because of your stand for Christ, you might even have people that will hate your guts. But you ought to have some folks that love you and care for you. And if you don't, it's because you've got a perverted heart. And so if, if you're starting to feel sorry for yourself, don't look outward 
at other folks. Instead, look inward and check your own heart and see and see if it has been going in the wrong direction. You know what a perverted heart comes from? A perverted heart comes from not feeding on the right stuff. As a Christian, we ought to listen to good things. We ought to see good things. We ought to read good things. We ought to, we ought to uh, 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 watch things that are edifying. And if we don't, it can turn our hearts. And so we need to, we need to be careful about what, what is inputted into our hearts and minds so that we don't end up having a perverted heart. And then the, the, third, the third red flag or uh, symptom of heart trouble. Go with me to Proverbs 15, just a couple of chapters over. Proverbs 15, look down at verse 7. It says, The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. This is a foolish heart, and a foolish heart is one that does not disperse knowledge. Does not disperse knowledge. Uh, this is a person who is a sponge. They, they uh, sit and they soak up, but they don't give anything out. They're takers, but they're not givers. You know, it is so important, and once a, once a person trusts Christ as Savior, to not only start understanding the Word of God and getting down the principles of, of God's Word, but once you get those principles down, do something with them. And take that information that God has given to you and pass it on to others. You know, one of the, one of the first things that God got a hold of my heart on, I remember really early on, I mean within the first 24, 48 hours of being saved, I realized that, okay, I'm saved. I'm glad I'm saved. Praise God I'm saved. Man, I'm glad I'm not going to, to hell. I'm going to heaven because I've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. But then I got to thinking, well, what about my dad? What about my mom? What about my brother? What about my sister? What about my friends at school? And immediately I found myself wanting to give what I have to somebody else and to let them know about it. Now, I was under the impression that they would be as excited about it as I was. And I found out that they weren't quite as excited about it as I was. And, uh, you know, I can remember going in into the senior lounge. I was a senior in high school at the time. I went into the senior lounge. I, I uh, had a, a big armful of books. I plopped them down at the end of the table, and a bunch of my friends were sitting around. And I said, hey, guys, guess what happened to me this last week? I got saved. I didn't have one of them say, hallelujah, or amen, or glory to God. <laughs> Not a one. Uh, they looked at me like, oh, Dunbar's gone off his, uh, off his rocker. He's turned into a spiritual fanatic. Well, uh, you know, when your heart is in the right place, you're going to want to disperse knowledge. You're going to want to give out that which God has given to you. And uh, don't be a sponge. Don't, you know, that's why it is. I, I read a, a, a paper that uh, Jerry Sutek wrote. It was, and he wrote it years ago. It's really, really good. In fact, if you want a copy of it, I could give it, get it for you. You can get it actually online. 
And it's it, the name of the, the the name of the the paper is is Life is Ministry. It's almost like a mini book. And he says, Life is Ministry. In other words, you ought to be involved in some kind of ministry for God if you're saved. Period. Period. Why? Because God's given you some things. You need to give them out to somebody else. You know, um, this last this last nine, ten months, the beams have been through some stuff. I'm talking about the, the younger beams, not the elder. All the elder beams have been through some things, too. They got married, you know. But, uh, uh, but uh, Aaron and his wife and family have been through some things, so they're very, very difficult pregnancy. And there are times when, uh, you know, Aaron, I'm sure, was extremely concerned about his wife and about his new baby. Uh, but God brought him through it. Now, you know what he should be doing, and I, and I know he will do this. This is, this is Aaron. This is why I'm picking on him. But uh, you know what he'll be doing? He'll be looking for somebody that's struggling with the same thing or something along those lines and say, hey, let me tell you what God did for me. I think God can do it for you too. Why? Well, because when God shows you something, you should have a desire to give it to somebody else. Now, can I tell you something? If you take a sponge and you fill it full of water and then you bring it over and you never wring it out and you bring it over and you fill it with some more water and set it down for a while and it's just sitting there just oozing water. You know what happens to that sponge after a while? It stinks. <laughs> you know what happens to your life and mine after a while? We stink <laughs> because our heart gets sour because we've not given out as God has given to us. That's why it's so important to, to be a witness and a testimony uh, and tell other people about Jesus. Yeah, it's not just a preacher's job. That's just not Sunday school teachers' jobs and deacons' jobs and other folks in this church. It's all of our responsibility. Why? Because we've been given something. And we ought, we ought to have a desire to give it out to others, to disperse that knowledge. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to Titus chapter 2. Here's a great example of it. And it isn't just in the area of witnessing. It's really in every area of life. And you see that in Titus 2. In Titus 2, look at me in verses 3 through 8. Titus chapter 2, verse 3 It says, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of, uh, of God uh, be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, uh, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Now notice that word pattern. It says you ought to be a pattern. Well, a pattern isn't any good unless it's taken out of the drawer and used. 
And your life is to be a pattern so that you can pass on the things that God has taught you to others. In particular, he's talking about uh, women that are older, aged women. And the things that God has taught you, you ought to be teaching to others. Well, uh, you go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and it says that we're to, to teach people the word of God, and then those faithful men are to teach others what they have learned about the Bible. That, that is a pattern that we ought to constantly be fulfilling in our lives. If you don't, your heart gets like that sponge that just gets water and more water and more water and more water, and it just sits there and steeps in, its, its, in itself, and it ends up getting sour and it ends up getting rancid. So don't despise knowledge. Don't get... Uh, or rather disperse knowledge, don't get a foolish heart. And then in Proverbs chapter 17, if you go back with me again, Proverbs 17, Proverbs 17 verse 22 gives us another symptom of heart trouble. Proverbs 17, 22. It says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. This is, this is a sad heart. And this is a heart that, that uh, just has no joy within. Uh, you know, what your attitude is will affect others. And it, it, is, it is necessary for others that you have a joyful heart. And I realize there's a, there's a time to, to rejoice and there's a time to weep. I understand that. But you know, there's some folks that are just more sad than they are glad. And if that's the case, and you find yourself being more sad than glad, there's something wrong with the heart. You know, I've heard people make comments like this. Well, you know, you say that we ought to smile all the time. But honestly, I'm sad on the inside. And I'm upset. And if I smile, I'll just be a hypocrite. Well, that's true if that's what you think a smile is for. You know what? A smile isn't for you. It isn't to show who you are. It's to be a blessing to others. You know what? I'd much rather, I'd much rather see you folks with smiles on your faces than, than uh, either with grit teeth or, or just, just a grumpy look all the time. And there's some folks that that's all you see is a grumpy look. You know what the problem is? There's something going on in the heart. You know, there are, you've all, listen, if you're saved, now if you're not saved, you don't have a whole lot to, 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 to rejoice over. All the things that you have to rejoice over are temporal. But if you are saved, man, you've got all kinds of eternal stuff to rejoice in. And just having Christ as your Savior is something to rejoice in. And so you always, always have a fountain, so to speak, for, uh, for, for, for rejoicing. Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs 15. Look at Proverbs 15 and verse 3. I'm sorry, Proverbs 15, verse 13. It says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. There are times when sorrow is necessary, and I understand that. But if you have primarily a sad heart, 
if you have primarily no joy, really very little joy within, then there is something wrong on the inside. You need to ask yourself, what, what are you to others? Are you medicine? Because the Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Not just to us, but it doeth good uh, like medicine to someone else. Be a blessing to them. Uh, are you medicine or are you vinegar? <laughs> you know, are you, are, are, is your presence just cause people to pucker and run? <laughs> you know, go the other way. Go the other direction. Uh, as, as safe people, we ought to have the countenance of a joyful heart. And if you don't have that joyful heart, there's something going on, something wrong on the inside. Then last of all, go to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. And in Proverbs 14, look down with me, if you would, to verse 10. Proverbs 14, 10 says, The heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. This is a bitter heart. Um, over the years, I have run across many a bitter heart. And over the years, I have fallen into, at times, having a bitter heart myself. A bitter heart is one that drags up negative things of the past. It's, uh, uh, in fact, one of the things that I've noticed about a bitter heart, if you've got a bitter heart, you have, a, you have trouble laughing at the past. Uh, there's some things, you know, that, I, that I've had happen to me that at the time they were horrible, but I've thought, you know, one of these days I'll probably laugh at this whole situation. Not laughing now, but I'll laugh later. Well, why? Well, if you, if you have a bitter heart, you can't do that. You can't look backwards and laugh. It's not possible. A person who has a bitter heart is easily triggered. A person with a bitter heart, I found, usually is, is uh, easily angered. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs 17, because this is really related to that kind of heart. Proverbs 17, look down at verse 20. 1720 says he that hath a froward heart findeth no good and he that hath a perverse tongue falleth into mischief a froward heart findeth no good that a froward heart's also a tendency toward a bitter bitter heart and and again you can't you can't go back and you can't laugh at situations because every time you think of situations that happened in your past you just get angry you just get upset um I don't know if you've had this experience or not, but it, you, your kids as they grow older will divulge things to you about some things that happened in your life that you didn't realize happened at the time. The kids knew about it, but you didn't know about it, and then they reveal it to you. We were in Green Bay. Um, we had a, a young gal that um, was, a, was a babysitter and uh, she babysat sat particularly our oldest son, Joel. Well, for some reason, she had a problem with Joel. And I didn't know, know this. I had no clue. At the time that was going on, I thought everything was fine, cool, and copacetic. We found out that uh, from time to time when she babysat Joel, she would intimidate the socks off the kid. He was young at the time, and she would take him out into the garage 
lay his head down on a piece of wood and get an axe out and threaten to chop his head off. Now, you know how I found that out about that? Joel told me about it, and he did it laughing. Joel loves to tell stories. And if, if, if you lack stories, just talk to Joel. Joel will have a story for you, and he'll put a smile on your face. You know, you know I got to thinking about that thing. Uh, that would be something to get bitter about. <laughs> you know, that would get, be something to, to hold a grudge against the babysitter about. They're threatening to, to chop off your head. That, that, wasn't his, his, that, that wasn't his take on the whole thing at all. He looked back at it and he just kind of laughed and chuckled. Don't get caught up in a bitter spirit. A bitter spirit will, will absolutely ruin your heart and ruin your life. Now, each one of these things, a backslidden heart, a perverted heart, a foolish heart, a sad heart, and a bitter heart, all of those things are indications that we've got something going wrong on the inside. Now, what are the cures for each of those? Well, first, first one is a backslidden heart. How do, you, how do you cure a backslidden heart? You love God first, and you love others second. You wrap yourself up in wanting to serve God. You wrap yourself up in loving God. You wrap yourself up in, in taking care of the problems and the troubles and the concerns of others. Put God and put others first. Second thing is a perverted heart. How do you, how do you take care of a perverted heart if you got that tendency? Repent. <laughs> Just turn, go the other direction, clean it up and start putting the right stuff in. If the wrong stuff is coming in now, Put, start putting the right things in and repent and turn your back on the, the things that are hurting you. The, the next one is a, is a foolish heart. A foolish heart. Uh, how, do you, how do you cure a foolish heart? Pass on what you know. Look for somebody you can be a blessing to. Look for somebody you can be an encouragement to because of promises and encouragements that God's given you along the way. And then a sad heart. What do, you, what do you do about a sad heart? Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. What do you do with a sad heart? How do you, how do you turn a sad heart into a glad heart? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And look with me down in verses 16 through 18. Verse 16 says, rejoice evermore. Look for something that you can rejoice in. Uh, listen, again, if you're saved, you've got lots to rejoice. You can rejoice because your sins are forgiven. You can rejoice because someday heaven's going to be your home. You can rejoice because someday you're going to get out of this body and get one that never breaks. Amen? <laughs> and never needs a knee replacement. Never needs back surgery. Never needs any of that kind of stuff. Uh, you've always got something to rejoice in. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. If I've got a sad heart, it's usually because I've got a, more of a prayerless heart. And I need to pray. And then last of all, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You always have something to rejoice about. You've always got something to pray about. And you've always got something to be thankful for. And then the, the, last, the last heart is a bitter heart. If you're struggling with a bitter heart, what do you do? 
you forgive. You just simply forgive. Now, if you're saved, let me tell you something. God's forgiven you of not some of your sins, not most of your sins. When he forgave you and you trusted him as Savior, he forgave you of your past sins, your present sins, future sins that you hadn't even committed yet. They're all underneath the blood of Christ. They're all forgiven. If God has forgiven us, can't we forgive others? Well, sure we can. We have that capacity. We have that capability. And so if, if you find yourself be struggling with a bitter heart, there's some, there's some forgiveness that needs to be given. Again, you know, it, it's easy to look good on the outside. You know, uh, you just look at somebody, uh, you, you know, you, you walk down the street, and for the most part, you can't tell who's saved and who's lost just by looking at them. Now, if you spend some time with them, you might be able to figure it out a little bit easier. But just looking at them, you can't tell. Why? Because you can't see the heart. Same way with a person who's saved. You may look good on the outside, but in reality, there's some heart disease going on. And listen, if you don't take care of it now, it could do tremendous damage later. How's your heart? There's a song. It's one of my favorite songs. I, I hardly ever hear it. But the song just simply asks the question, how about your heart? Is it right with God? That's the thing that counts today. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon what we've heard this morning. And help us, God, to be honest with you this morning about our heart. We may have a smile on our face. We may have good looks on the outside. We may have a pleasant countenance. But our heart could be going bitter or our heart could be going foolish or our heart could be head and perverted. Or we could be filled with our own ways. Father, I pray that we'd take a look at that and this morning realize that's serious. That's, uh, that's something that needs to be attended to. Physical heart attacks are no fun. And yet spiritual heart attacks can be absolutely devastating in a person's life. I pray, Lord, that we would prevent those from taking place by paying attention to the symptoms that you've shown to us this morning. God, I pray that there might be someone here this morning who's still not trusted Christ as Savior, is not absolutely positive, can't look back to a specific time, a specific place, where they realize that they were a sinner on their way to hell, and the only way they could go to heaven is by trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. Lord, I pray they would be concerned about that thing. The only, the only way that the, they're, they're going to attend to that situation is if they get concerned, if they realize their own need. And the truth of the matter is, you're waiting to dispense to them full and complete forgiveness. But it's up to them to trust you as Savior. And I pray that if there's anyone here in, in this sanctuary this morning who has not yet trusted Christ as Savior, that today would be the day that they would trust you. 
We pray, Father, you'd work in this, in our hearts and in this invitation. Have your will, have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.